for our scripture reading today. We have Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 11. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Here's Jeremiah with the sermon. God is on a program. Um, to heal the world. God is on a project to heal the world. And the question this morning is, what is God calling you to do? Here at Hope Jersey City, we feel passionately about participating in the ways that God heals the world. We want to um, be a part of campaigns to end trafficking, to work towards injustices, to ending injustices, to... um, to see that, that those who are from under-resourced neighborhoods experience the fullness of all that God has for them in their future, we believe in all of those things. And we want to participate in all the ways that God is calling us towards healing the world. And we can get a lot of good energy to go towards those things. In many ways, those are, are projects and causes that um, you don't have to be a Christian Um, to be passionate about. And there are other things in our lives that we also want to say that God is calling us um, toward healing for. There are things in our families, uh, things that have passed down, habits and dysfunctions that have been passed down from generation to generation that God is calling us to press into. Um, You may not know what it is your life's vocation, right? You may not know, you, you, you could be, Dead and, uh, you know, the, you could be caught in the, the middle years of your life and still be clueless about what exactly God is calling me to do. There are things that we're unsure about. Um, but there are many of things that you feel like the Lord is already calling you to. I heard a pastor call these once. These um, In our lives, we have these DMZs, these demilitarized zones, you know, in your families where you, if you press in too close, everyone sort of backs away quietly. You don't touch because there's too much there. Right? There's places in your marriage that way already. You don't touch because it's already too much. There's too much there. Um, it's, it's dysfunctions that have been, been giving to you. And the hard thing is God is calling us forward into these things because these are, these are clearly things that God wants to bring healing in your life for. But often we don't want to press into those things. We don't want to press into those things. Um, there's a, you know, this great inspirational book um, that uh, Cheryl, I think it's Cheryl Sandberg, forget her first name, but, um, you know, COO of Facebook writes this book called Lean In. It's an inspirational message to all women to press in. Um, my wife and I love um, Ali Wong, comedian Ali Wong's comment on it when she says, you know, people always telling, us to, telling me to lean in. I don't want to lean in. I want to lay down. <laughs> and most of the time when there's things that God is calling us towards, we don't want to lean in. 
we want to lay down. And, and what we have in Deuteronomy is a people, um, when God is calling them forward to lean in, um, their first reaction seems to be to lay down. Um, this morning, we continue into our sermon series, Telos, which is a Greek word for ultimate aim or object. And what we did is we started in January by talking about negative things. We wanted to approach it and say, these are the things that the world and culture at large, the stream that you're, you're a part of without even knowing it, these are the things that you're being drawn to. Um, you're, you're being drawn to this unhealthy sense of, of wanting comfort for the sake of comfort more than anything else. You're being called towards wanting to, uh, to the approval of people more than anything else. You're being called towards a desire for power in big and small ways. And so we wanted to knock down all of those negative things. We want to start there, but then we started building. And last week, if you haven't listened to it, great sermon. I was away, but I listened to it and I was encouraged. Um, Craig talked about how, first things first, we need to remember God. We need to remember God. And then this week, I want to talk about um, how is it that we press into God's purposes. I, I don't know what the what for you, but I, I think from this passage, with Moses talking to the Israelites, he's telling us how. How? How is it that we move and how we press into God's purposes? How do we lean in into the hard things in our lives? And these are the three words for you, okay? Three words. And praying this morning that these three words bring a sense of hope and healing into your life. Three words, ready? We live into it. Um, we press into God's purposes by living into wonder, humility, and boldness. We do it by, by living in wonder, humility, and boldness. Wonder, humility, and boldness. The images won't make sense until I tell stories, but wonder, humility, and boldness. Deuteronomy 7, what you have, what you have in the book of Deuteronomy, we, we love it, right? Because, um, or the preaching team we're talking about, why we love it so much, why it's relevant to the point of setting ultimate aim. It's because Moses, who's this heroic, you know, leader of, of freedom, He's getting towards the end of his life, and he's getting close to fulfilling what the Lord has for him, and, and the goal for the Israelites was to go into the promised land, um, and so he's getting to the, he leads the people to the edge of, they're about to enter the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness, but the Lord tells him that he can't go in, that because of everything that's happened, that he won't get to participate in entering the promised land. And so what he does is he get a, gets everyone together and gives them a final pep talk. He says, you're, you're about to go in, but let me remind you of your story. Let me remind you, let me remind you of, of what the Lord has done for you and then how he's going to send you in. Because he knows that in the promised land that there's not, only, there's not only temptations to sin in the wilderness, there's also temptations to sin in abundance. And so he sends them, to, so he gets them all together. And he tells them the story of who they are. Um, he gives them final pep talk about how they're supposed to live. And what we're reminded of is they have a big purpose. They have a big purpose. Um, they have a big purpose and they have a specific task. The big purpose that the Israelites are supposed to live into is that they're supposed to be a people set apart. They're supposed to be a people set apart. God is on this program to heal the world because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Sin enters. Decay starts to happen and fester all over, you know, all over communities. And what the Israelites were supposed to be, a people set apart so that they would be a conduit for healing for the world. That as they lived into their identity, the Lord would bring healing to the world. 
So they had a big purpose, but they also had small, specific tasks that they were to do along the way. And the small, specific tasks that they were supposed to do was they were supposed to enter, they were supposed to press into the promised land. Now, if you remember following the story, or if you've been you know, doing the Bible in a year story, um, we're about to get to this, this the, the, the story about what, what exactly happens, right? So what happens is they send a few spies, and, and Dev spoke on this and mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth repeating. Um, they, send in, they send in spies to spy out the land, and what they find is that they're, they're just terrified about facing their opposition. And so instead of leading in, they fall back. And God is displeased because in their pressing in, that God was going to show just how miraculous of a God he is. Um, and so this generation, this generation dies because they're not going to enter the promised land. And, and, and now what we have is Moses speaking to the next generation as they're about to enter. But, but you have to remember that he's speaking to this generation who's carrying the memories of what their parents did. Um, and so he says to them, this is how you press in. Wonder, humility, and boldness. Wonder, humility, and boldness. Okay, so wonder. Why is wonder important? Wonder is important because they are a people marked by cynicism. Cynicism is this experience of feeling like you could see through other people's intentions, the, ins- the, the intentions of other institutions, and feel as though you could analyze your way through and, and land on a very negative perspective on who you think they are and what they intend. And what you find is that the people of Israel, because, because of what, the, what, what, what they've experienced, have become a bitter people. They've become cynical. And this happens for us when we, when we feel like we don't get what we deserve on the timeline that we feel like we deserve it. If it doesn't happen as quick as we want, um, you could read through is, uh, Israel's experiences and feel the same way. You could say the same things. The Lord must hate me. The Lord must hate me. It, we would have been better off if we had stayed in Israel. And then you remember, wait, you were slaves in Israel for 400 years. But it was, they'd become so cynical against God They'd forgotten all that God has done for them. And, and it, it became a source of inaction. And so what does Moses do? He tells them to contemplate and delight. How do, we, how do we battle back and experience wonder? We contemplate and delight. Specifically, he tells the Israelites they're supposed to contemplate how far God has taken them and to delight in the fact that God has saved them. They had to contemplate how far God has taken them and to delight in how God has saved them. And more than this, he's given them a practice. He gives them a practice for, a time, for how they're supposed to enjoy God, how, to, how they're supposed to contemplate and delight in God. And that practice is the Sabbath. Now, for most of us who grew up in churches, I mean, we, we try to teach on it because we feel like it's important. And we feel like for, for, for many people, it's this misunderstood, archaic idea. But you have to remember what the Sabbath meant for the people of Israel. They had just been, they had just been in, in slavery for 400 years. So for 400 years, I mean, 400 years, that's longer than you, like the history of the United States, right? So for 400 years, they were, they were, they were judged by what they were able to produce. Their lives were defined by their work. And so what you had was for for 400 years, all, all that mattered to them was what they produced for, for the Egyptians. 
And God was saying, here is a day set aside for you to contemplate and delight and rest. He was saying to them, this is what free people look like. Free people actually can rest. Free people can actually take a step back and enjoy all the good things God has created for them. Free people are reminded that they are no longer slaves. That even though this is a part of your dysfunction, they had slavery in their bones. If you do the emotionally healthy series with us, um, one of the things you're going to hear, especially as we talk about family dysfunction, as it gets passed down, one of the phrases that the book sort of repeats is, actually, I don't know if it repeats, but I've, I've, I've heard them say, um, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. Slavery was in their bones. And when God is telling them, you get to rest, he was saying, this is how free people live. This is what freedom looks like. Are you able to rest from work this morning, in this season? Are you able to sense... Are you able to sense freedom in the way that God has designed? Um, personal story for me about how, how this makes sense for me recently with sort of the graphic of, that's a spinning cup, right? Um, I, uh, I moved to the U.S. from the Philippines when I was six years old. My parents um, brought, my, my, my dad was here six months earlier. I, I came with my siblings with my mom. We moved into a church building in Bayonne, New Jersey. Three small rooms in a church building. And my father is a, is a pastor, still a pastor an hour down the road. He's probably preaching right now. Um, and one of the things from my childhood I'll always remember, one of the indelible images of my dad is getting phone calls late at night because he's a terrific pastor, right? And it's, it's usually everybody's worst day, um, uh, cousin of a member of, of our youth group, um, his brother drowned. And so my dad is running out of the house, you know, at midnight. Uh, marriage is falling apart with church leaders. My dad's running out of the house midnight. And the, the image in my mind of what it means to be a leader is to be available to everyone 24 hours a day. And I bring that into my work. So previous to this, I was in real estate development, small company, a lot of work. Um, and in my mind, what it meant to be a functional person who was good at their job was you're available 24 hours a day. So when my second child was being born and my wife was pushed, I was on the side playing music and shooting out emails like sta- while I was standing next to my wife as she's about to start pushing. Because what it means for me to be a functional person who contributes to their organization is someone who's on call 24-7. Um, and so this past week, we were on vacation and um, you know, this is in my bones. And so I'm shooting out emails. I get a text from Craig. He says, bro, stop working. And I was like, wait. And I thought about, even in the last few years, the sense of, man, 24-7. I don't, I, I don't want to be the, the one that, that shuts the company down. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Um, and, and so I did my, I mean, like, yeah. So, so I stopped, and, and we were in Disney World the next day, um, and um, we were riding on these spinny cups, and, you know, so we were riding on these spinny cups, and it threw me back to contemplate um, that when I first came to the States, I was six years old, we went to Disney World, 
I was on the ride with, with my dad, right? Six years old. I'm back this time with two young kids. My son is three, and I'm on, I'm on the ride with him. And I'm just contemplating all that the Lord has done for me, the many miracles that he's allowed in my life to get me to this point. From spinny cup to spinny cup, remembering the many miracles of how the Lord has saved me and protected me and carried me through. There are markers in your life where you're reminded, oh my goodness, only the Lord could have brought me this way. And we have to remember that. Um, And we delight in the fact that he's saved us from so many things. Because that gives us energy to move forward. Because in your day-to-day, when there's where there's emails and baby cries and, f- and problems that only you can solve, you need to remember that all along the way that there's been this God who's carried you all the way through, across continents, through schools, into love relationships that you don't deserve. Our lives have to be marked with a sense of wonder at the fact that he's taken us this far and we don't deserve to be where we're at at this morning. So wonder. Two, um, so we live with a sense of wonder. Two, we live with a sense of humility. Um, if, you're, if you're new to Christianity, I mean, and, and even if you are, if, you, if you've been in Christianity for a while, these are, these are some of the harder passages that you'll read, right? For you are a treasured possession. And you think to yourself, man, this is exactly why Christianity doesn't make sense to me. Why is it so exclusive? Why is, he, why is God privileging a people over another? Um, why does it, and this is exactly why I don't like Christians, because they just use it as an identity marker to prop themselves up over other people. But as followers and believers of this one true God, you, you take a, a closer look and you realize um, in all the ways that we could define ourselves by various metrics, that's the graphic, in all the ways that we could define ourselves by various metrics, God reminds us over and over again, it's not because we overperform or because we overachieve. That's not why God chooses us. That's not why God chose Israel. The people that were supposed to carry forward his healing project, it wasn't on the basis of how strong they were or that they were more, really more able or, or capable than any other nation. Example of that is in this passage where it says you're not, you're not more numerous than other nations. In fact, you're the fewest. So by physical metrics, you're weak. And a couple chapters later, in chapter 9, he says it's not even because of your spiritual capacity. He's like, you're not, you're not more, it's not because of your righteousness that I've chosen you. It's not because of your physical metrics or spiritual metrics. And that's the humility that we, we get when we realize that that as he says, as he says here in chapter 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. And humility frees us to be able to admit this morning that, that we're stubborn. Um, we're both stubborn and, and special at the same time. That we're both stubborn and special. And so if the practice of the first to be able to experience wonder is, is the Sabbath idea, right? Because this is how free people live. Free people live with a sense of delight. They set aside a day and remind themselves they're not defined by how many emails they can respond to. Um, 
the practice for the second is a prayer. The practice for, for experiencing humility is a prayer where you pray, Lord, would you allow me to see the depths of my sin? Would you allow me to see the depths of my sin and all my weaknesses? But at the sec- same time, would you allow me to see how much deeper your love goes still? Would you allow me to see the depths of my sin? Would you allow me to see my stubbornness in full force? And at the same time, would you allow me to see just how much you love me despite that? Because if you can live with wonder, you can live with humility, you can start to move past the cynicism that's built up in your heart. Wonder, humility. um, What must God be like that he chooses to love a stubborn people like Israel? What must God be like that he chooses to pursue a stubborn people like us? Um, Our boast is not that we are people who overachieve um, or are overly capable. Our boast is in the fact that God knows us to our depths and still loves us to the sky, Um, sees our stubbornness to the depths and still loves us to the sky. Um, Wonder, humility, um, and boldness. Boldness. Um, there's, this gr- there's this verse in verse 21 um, where, where Moses is urging them, you shall not be in dread of other people, for the Lord your God is a great and awesome God. And, right? and so he's giving them all these urgings on the basis of how big God is, and he's saying, go for it, go for it, go for it. Um, and so you would think that's the urging. It's like, just remember that God is big, and that, that should cause you to go. Right? But what's funny is if you keep on reading in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses knows that they're going to fail. Um, Moses already knows that they're going to fail. And he tells them later, um, and he tells them that, that, that when you will fail and the Lord will scatter you to the other, all the other peoples and all the, all the other nations, that when you, when you repent and when you return to God, God is compassionate and merciful. And we have to remember this morning that if Israel doesn't fail, we don't see how merciful and compassionate God is. We never learn that. Right? And if you never fail, you never get to experience how compassionate and merciful God is. And what we find is, is as we've also alluded to in the past few weeks, that Jesus, Jesus is the new Israel. Jesus steps in where Israel fails. Jesus follows God to the point of dying and dying on the cross. Jesus is this picture that we get of what it looks like um, when a faithful person follows God into his purposes. And and what's lovely about this is because we are totally incapable of our own to live with any sense of wonder any sense of humility, any sense of boldness apart from Jesus. It's just something that you can't manufacture. You just don't have the juice. You don't have the ability, not consistently, right? And you've tried. And if we're an honest people, we've tried. And the only way towards wonder, humility, and boldness is to look at Jesus. We, we, we can have wonder because what we find is God Um, takes on flesh in Jesus, and he walks our halls. He introduces himself. He makes himself known to people undeserving. 
We can have humility because it took Jesus dying on the cross to bring us into right relationship with God. There's no boasting there. There's no boasting about your abilities there. And we can have boldness because what we find um, with Jesus is that God is faithful even when we fail. That he's faithful. Faithful you are. Faithful you will be. And our, and our, our boldness stems not from the fact that we know that we're going to hit 100%, but we know that every time we fail that God is faithful. God is faithful, and it's his faithfulness that's the basis of our action. Um, You can't do it. You won't do it. But if you just dwell on his faithfulness, it'll give you the ability to pursue the hard places in your life that you've thought are long gone, relationships that that, that have been broken for years, things in your your, dysfunctions that you carry that you feel like um, there's no hope for. Only God's faithfulness can move you into places where you can actually ask the Lord for healing and restoration. Um, so what does this look like? Final story as I call the band up. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's this book called Culture Making um, by a, an author named Andy Crouch, and he tells a story about doing, um, doing campus ministry at a famous Ivy League institution, at, at the Ivy League institution, right? Um, and he tells a story about... Um, just observing the, peop- the students at these I- this Ivy League institution, and he says that he could pretty much slot people into three different categories. The first category is of the kid who always knew he would get in. His, his parents are of means. Um, his parents have connections. It's probably a name that you would recognize, and he always knew that he would get in. And he walks around after he got in like he owns the place because there's a whole lot that he can get away with just because of the fact that the last name is, is what it is. And he says these people, these students, walk around entitled. He says the second group, the second group has always dreamed of getting into this, this school. And they've tried like crazy. And even when they got the acceptance, they thought, I don't deserve to get in. I need to prove that I belong here. So every day in every class, they're trying to prove that they belong. So they marked with anxiety. Who's, who lives with a sense of anxiety? So every day they need to prove that the, uh, the, that, the, that the acceptance letter was actually for them and that they didn't get in on some basis of, of, of some trick by, of some sort, that they actually belong here and they live with a sense of anxiety. But the last group, he says the last group have always dreamed of going to this Ivy League institution. They've dreamed of it as a little kid and they, and they thought, you know, there, there's a chance, but most likely they weren't going to get in. And then one day they get the letter and they're in. They're, they're in. And they couldn't believe it. Um, they couldn't believe the fact that of all the people in the world that they get to go, that they're in. And they walk around and the flowers are more colorful. The classes are more poetic. There's a sense that they know that it's only because of some factor of grace that they were allowed into this institution. And he says, those kids, they don't live with entitlement. They don't live with anxiety. They live from a place of surprise, delight, and joy. Because they didn't deserve to be there, they thought. But they're in. And this morning, my question to you is, do you live from a place of surprise, delight, and joy? The sense that the God of universe has chosen you, not because you're stronger or smarter or more pretty 
and all the things that the world sort of values. But because his great love for you has chosen you on the basis of the fact that he just loves you and wants to know you, wants to heal the broken places in your life. What must God be like? Do you sense his great love for you this morning? Would you, would you feel the courage to step forward? Living a life marked by wonder, humility, and boldness. After I pray, we're going we're gonna to sing this song which says, I, I, there's nothing I hold on to. Now I'm, I'm going to give everything I have to you. Um, there are places in your life, I mean, and I, and I feel this for me, there, there, are, there are issues in your life and in your families that you just don't have the tools for. You're carrying out mountains of dysfunction that's just been passed down to you. And this morning, as a response, we get to say, Lord, I, I just, I give it to you. I need, I need resources that only you can give. Let's pray. Father, oh, you are so good to us. And we just want to know you because, Lord, we want... We want to live from a place of surprise, delight, and joy. Uh, we want to walk around with um, living a life where, where colors are just full of meaning and purpose. We pray that we might know you more and love you more this year. When we live from a place of humility, wonder, and goodness. I pray for healing, Lord. I pray for deep healing in areas uh, where people feel stuck in my life and in the life of my brothers and sisters here, Lord, where we feel stuck. We just don't have the resources. We don't have the ability. We don't have strategy enough to be able to, to move forward into the purposes you called us to. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to break out in this place and just bring healing.